Well, thank you for indulging me in this crazy idea that I had. Um, if you look on the ground around you, let me know if you see a, a red flip-flop. We had a child. We got the one from right here up in the front. If there's another one, there, it's on this side of the room. <laughs> Man, things happened when candy started raining. And, and I know I didn't say anything about confetti cannons. I thought that would just be my nice little surprise for everyone. <laughs> Man, I love church. We spend a lot of time fighting. Fighting traffic, sometimes fighting with our kids, fighting with our spouses. If you're a student, you, you know, sometimes you're fighting with your teacher, you fight with your boss, you fight the man. Sometimes we fight the voices in our heads. At least I do sometimes. Most of these fights, they're not important. They can most certainly almost always be avoided, and they are always unproductive. Some of the fights that we get in, they're not actually fair. The odds are stacked against us. Maybe we're taken off guard. We weren't prepared for the confrontation. And so now we're in the midst of this fight, this, this struggle, and we're not ready. Or maybe it's a mismatch. In high school, many years ago, I was a wrestler. That was that was my sport. I was let's let's just say I was uh, I was pudgy in high school. I was about twenty five pounds heavier, and this is strange and I can't explain it. I was two inches taller in high school. I told everybody I was. I thought I was five ten. Let me tell you, as five ten is not very tall. But when I went to the doctor several years ago and they measured me out at five nine, I was crushed. I lost an entire inch. And then most recently, about two or three years ago, I went back to, again for another you know, yearly checkup. They measured me. I was legit 5'8". I've lost two inches and 25 pounds since high school. I remember being at one tournament and walking onto the mat only to discover the young man standing across the mat from me was absolutely ripped like, he's in high school like I was. I was like a, a junior. And this guy was jacked. He had muscles on muscles. I'm standing across the map from him thinking, 100% he's on steroids. Not only was he jacked, but he was bald. And I know the irony of that statement. But he had no hair. He didn't even have any eyebrows, which in my mind completely validated my assumption that he was on steroids because the steroids made all of his hair fall out. It was a complete mismatch. From the moment that the ref said go, it only lasted a few seconds. Somehow, some, some way, he did a double leg takedown where I ended up over his head before being slammed down to the ground and pinned. It was a total mismatch. Have you ever felt like the odds in life are sometimes stacked against you? Like no matter what you do, you always seem to come out on the losing end. Maybe you're sitting here today and you, you, know, you, you look at your life and you're thinking, this is not how I intended my life to turn out. This wasn't the plan. Divorce, maybe financial difficulties, career failures or unexpected twists and turns the death of loved ones, other unexpected losses or health struggles. We're just struggling with, with stress, with anxiety, with depression. You know, maybe 
there was a time in life where you had all the confidence in the world. And you thought your life would turn out with you in the hero's role. With you standing in the winner's circle. And now you're thinking, that is not how my life has turned out. In 2015, MMA star Ronda Rousey felt like she was on top of the world. She was an undefeated fighter going into a fight with Holly Holm. Some of you might remember this because this was, this was a big deal. Ronda was supposed to win and win quickly because in all of her fights, she always won, undefeated. And she won normally with a knockout in, the mat, in a matter of just a few seconds of the beginning of the match. So Ronda was trash-talking in the weeks and months leading up to it, right up until the moment that the match started. But Holm not only lasted the first round, she held her own, which she wasn't supposed to do and nobody expected her to do. And then the unexpected happened. Ronda was knocked out at the beginning of the second round. Can you show that? Go back, go to the slide with the, maybe. I have a picture of it. When she got, when she woke up, she was left wondering, what just happened? She was not only rocked physically, but she was rocked emotionally. And in the aftermath, in the, in the days and weeks after the fight, she even contemplated suicide because her life did not turn out the way that she thought it was going to. And sometimes, if we're honest, life is like that. Like we just got kicked in the head, we are left on the mat, and we are shook emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. We are left with no idea how we got knocked down, and we are struggling to get back up, and, and like let alone fight on just to get up off the ground. So today, we're going to talk about one fight, just one, and it's a fight that we all face. It's also a fight that we cannot win. It's the fight for your life. There have always been two opponents fighting for your life, fighting over your life. Jesus and the devil, Satan. John 10.10 says, a thief only has one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy Jesus said, but I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. So this right here, this is the fight for your life. On one side, you have the thief, Satan, who is looking only, only to steal, to kill, and destroy. And Jesus on the other side, who is looking only to give you life, abundant life, life that overflows, a better life than what you could ever expect. This is the fight for your life. And this fight started all the way back in the beginning. On those first few pages of your Bible, in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. God created it all. And Adam and Eve were in the garden and it was perfect. Literally perfect. They had relationship with God. And then they disobeyed. They did that one thing that God told them they should not do and they could not do. 
eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Satan tempted them and they bit, literally bit. And in that moment, they were separated from God. Sin, which is imperfection, entered creation along with death. This was a relational, a spiritual, a physical death with no way to recover what was lost in that moment for all of humanity. And so from that moment on, humanity has been fighting to get back what it lost on that day. But we can't win on our own. See, if you, if you look at or study you know, virtually every religion on the face of the planet, and if you break them down and get right down to the basics, they all have this kind of same theme or thread that runs through it. It's about people who are trying to work or earn their way back to God, or work or earn their way to enlightenment or to paradise or, or, or something along those lines. The, the focus is on people doing something to get something. See, there's something inside each and every one of us. Every person who has ever lived, there is something on the inside that longs to be in a relationship with God. And that's why we see so many religions that are set up with them trying to reach, earn, or achieve something. Make their way back to Him. Even if they don't understand what the longing is. Even if they're aiming at the wrong things, going in the wrong directions, that longing is still there. It's just misguided. It's just misdirected. See, the problem is, is that we can't ever make it back on our own. We can fight for our lives all that we want. right? We can struggle. We can do our best. We can, we can be good humans. And sometimes when we you know, live life, we just look around and we say, just can't we all just be good humans? We can be as good as we want to be. It's never good enough. We can be kind and we can be loving and we can be generous. But you know what we can't ever be? Perfect. We can't ever be perfect. And that's what's needed to make our way back to God, to have that relationship with him. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says that every one of us has sinned. We have fallen short of God's glorious Standard of perfection. And so this, this has the same consequence for us today as it did back in the beginning for Adam and Eve. Relational separation from God. Spiritual death and physical death. See, death, death is the result of sin. Death wasn't something that God created. It wasn't in the plan. It wasn't in the original blueprints for, for humanity, for creation. Death entered the world when sin entered creation. James chapter 1 and verse 15 tells us that when sin is fully grown or fully mature, it gives way to death. I didn't grow up a Christian. I didn't grow up going to church. My personal journey was messy. It was complicated. It was painful for me. And it was painful for those around me. See, before I met Jesus, I did whatever I wanted. I did whatever I felt would make me happy. I was trying to build a life for myself that was centered on me. Looking back, clearly, I was selfish, self-centered. But I worked hard. I was a good person. At least I thought I was. I had lots of friends. I had lots of fun. I went to lots of parties. 
And when I was with all of those people, it looked like I had my life all together, that everything was just great. But inside, inside I was empty. Inside I was lonely. Inside I was hurting and I was unsatisfied. And the more that I felt lonely and empty and hurting and unsatisfied, the more I tried to make myself happy. Which often led to me hurting the people that were closest to me. Because I cared more about me and my happiness than I did about the people around them. I just wanted to feel better. I just wanted the emptiness to go away. I just wanted the pain to stop. I was losing. I was losing the fight for my life. Satan was literally destroying me. And I was not only just standing back and letting it happen. I was an active participant in destroying my own life. But Jesus never stopped fighting for me. No matter how far away I was from him, no matter how much I hurt myself or the people around me, he never stopped loving me. He never stopped reaching out to me. In fact, I was, I was so cold-hearted to Jesus. I was so cold-hearted. My mom, this is cold. My mom on Mother's Day said to me, she was a Christian. She said, Craig, don't give me anything for Mother's Day. Don't give me a card. Don't give me a gift. Just come to church with me. And I looked her in the face and I said, no. Not a chance. And I didn't go. I was stone cold. But this is how God got my attention. I started having nightmares. He started talking to me when I was sleeping and I had no defenses up. That's when you're like literally, that's when you are defenseless. When you sleep in your dreams, there's no way to fight that. So Jesus started talking to me. And I had two nightmares. The same two nightmares for weeks on end. Night after night after night after night. I was at the end of myself. And in that place, my dad invited me to go to a men's event where I heard about Jesus and where I heard about the fight for my life. See, we think that we can win this fight by doing what makes us happy, by being good people. But the reality is that we can't because the enemy doesn't fight fair. All of those things that we think will make us happy apart from Jesus, they look good, they sound good. I mean, if we're, we're honest, right, we're in church, we should, well, we should always be honest. But they feel good, all of these things, right? But it doesn't take very long for that feeling of, oh, that made me feel good to go away and it leaves me feeling empty. It leaves me feeling all alone. All of these things, these shiny things that we chase after apart from Jesus, they don't fill that hole. He makes all those things look real good, but we're left with emptiness and brokenness, heartache and pain. We can't ever be perfect on our own. And perfect is what's needed for what we're really longing for on the inside. It's relationship. It's friendship with Jesus. That, that, that longing that we feel on the inside, that's what that is. And there's only one way to win. Give up. Surrender. Accept Jesus' victory on your behalf. So this, this, is, this is what I mean. We are separated from God due to our, our imperfections, right? No one is perfect. And we are destined to die without Jesus. So Jesus came to us, right? This is, this is Christmas. Jesus came to us. 
See, remember when I talked back a few moments ago about the religions of the world that are focused on humanity getting back to God or achieving some sort of enlightenment? This is different. Because Jesus came for us because we could never get to him. And so he came. In John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word became human and made his home among us. John is talking about Jesus. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is God, and he became a human to fight for your life, to fight for my life. So the only way to bridge the gap between God and humanity is for God to come here and become a human. Jesus came to us for us. So this is the one that created everything. In the beginning, God spoke and there was light. God spoke and there was, there was plants and animals and bugs and stars and the sun and the sky and ocean and streams and lakes. God spoke it all into existence. That one, that one came for you and I. He became one of us because his love for us is so great that he could not stand being apart from us. So he made a way. Jesus not only became human, but he also never not once ever did anything wrong. He never did anything wrong. He never said anything wrong. He never thought anything wrong. See, it's our imperfection that keeps us from God. So for us to be in a relationship with God, the imperfection issue needs to be dealt with. How do we deal with that if we can't be perfect? The only way is for Jesus, God, to live a perfect life, to become a human and to live a perfect life. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, God put all the wrong on him, Jesus, who never did anything wrong, so that we could take and put on the right with God. He took all of my wrongs, and he gave me all of his right. He took all of my imperfection, and he gave me all of his perfection. In Mark 15, it says that Jesus was arrested and brought before the Roman governor, whose name was Pilate. The religious people of that day, of that time, they wanted him killed. But Pilate said this, why? What evil has he done? What did he do? What wrong did he do? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. So wishing to satisfy the crowd, he had Jesus scourged or whipped and handed over to be crucified. That whipping was often so brutal that people never survived the whipping, let alone to be nailed to the cross. Jesus not only survived the whipping, but then they forced him to carry his cross all the way to a hill called Golgotha where they laid that cross down and they laid Jesus on it and they nailed him to it and they lifted him up and he hung on that cross. He hung there dying for six hours dying until he said these words, it is finished. And then the Bible says that he breathed his last. <sighs> to everyone that stood around watching this unfold, all of his friends, the Bible said that his mom was standing there watching, the religious people, the Roman soldiers. It looked like Jesus lost. He lost the fight. Death won. Death won and Jesus died. So they took him down. And they put him in a tomb that was carved out of, out of stone. 
and they rolled this rock in front of it. So the one that came to bring us back to God just lost his fight with life. He lost his fight with sin. He lost his fight with death. At least that's what they thought. See, in Luke 24, it says this. The women went to the tomb. This is on a Sunday morning. The women went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in. But they didn't find the body of Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. And the women were terrified, and they bowed their faces down to the ground. The men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. It says that he is risen from the dead. Remember, they said to the, to the ladies, remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, that he would be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. See, the way to defeat death isn't to die because that's all of our stories. The way to defeat death is to die and then rise from the dead, which is what Jesus did. They looked at the women and they say, why do you look among the dead for the one who is alive? The enemy thought he had won. But Jesus, but Jesus rose from the dead. When Jesus rose from the dead, he defeated death. He defeated the grave. He defeated sin and imperfection. Death is swallowed up in victory. Paul writes, he says, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? You have no victory and you have no sting because you are defeated in Jesus. See, Jesus delivered the knockout blow to Satan, to imperfection, to death, and separation from God. The fight is over and Jesus won. Jesus is the champion. Jesus is the victor. See, we, I, all of us, are in this fight that we cannot win on our own. And no matter what I, what I do, I cannot beat death. No matter how hard I try, man, I try. I cannot be perfect. I'm separated from God. I can't get my way back to him on my own. The only way to win this fight is to surrender to Jesus. That's it. It's the only way. This is in Acts chapter 2, but everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Say that with me, everyone. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. When you call out to Jesus, he will save you. Now you might be sitting there thinking, but you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I am. You don't know how far I've gone. It doesn't matter. There's no, there's no asterisks right there in the Bible. When you read that, it's, there's no star that says, oh, except for these people who have done these things. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He will forgive you of all, all of your imperfections. Come on, say that. Say all. All. He forgives you of all your imperfections. And he covers you with his perfection. He covers you with grace and with mercy and with love. Jesus brings you back into relationship with God, delivering you from the enemy who only, only wants to steal, kill, and destroy See, it's in surrendering your life to Jesus that he gives you everything that you've ever wanted. Everything that you were already fighting for, it's in the surrender that you get that. Life. Life. That's really what we're fighting for. Life. And when I sat in that men's service, 
that my dad invited me to. And I heard about the fight that Jesus fought for me. I surrendered. My life was a mess. The enemy thought he had won against me. But the power of Jesus in that day, in that moment, broke through my mess and made a way for hope, for destiny, for future, for my future, and for life, for me. When I surrendered and I said yes to Jesus, I immediately, it was instantly, I can, if I close my eyes, I can go there in my memory. I remember where I was, how it felt, the struggle, and the, the emotion, the feeling inside the moment that I said yes. I felt peace beyond anything that I could understand. I couldn't explain it. How in an instant, I went from having turmoil to peace. How in an instant, I went from feeling empty to feeling fulfilled and satisfied. <laughs> I felt whole. I felt hopeful. My circumstances were exactly the same. Like, like the, on the outside, nothing changed. My life was still a mess. But on the inside, I had Jesus. On the inside, it was different. Jesus makes the difference. What I didn't know in that moment is the fight for your life isn't just about your life. It's about your legacy. It's about your family. It's about your children. Man, even if you're single and not married, it's about your legacy. See, Jesus makes a difference in your family through your decision. I was a single guy. I look at my kids now. I look at the life that they have. So much better than the life that I had. Filled with pain and emptiness, heartbreak. Because I said yes to Jesus that day, my kids didn't have to fight through the same things that I had to fight through. They're going to have their own struggles and their own battles, but at least I did my part in setting them up. Setting them up to step into all that Jesus had for them. They didn't have to figure it out on their own. See, this is the biggest. This is the most important fight you will ever have. Because it's not just for you, it's for you and your family. It's for your eternal future, it's for your kids. It's for the generations of children and family behind you that you will never see. Because we will all one day die. But your great-great-grandchildren, you're setting them up with a yes to Jesus. I've watched entire families change and transform because one person said yes to Jesus. To go from drug addicts alcoholics, abusers, and to see in a moment them changed and transformed and then to walk that out. Listen, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that it's going to be easy. The moment you say yes to Jesus, everything doesn't suddenly become easy. But you got someone who's going to walk you through. You've got someone who will carry you through. Guys, I can't imagine going through what I've gone through after I said yes to Jesus without him. I would have never made it. Muhammad Ali, arguably the greatest boxer of all time, undeniably the person who had the most self-confidence of all time. Self-confidence was one thing that he did not lack. He was on an airplane one time, and they were getting ready to take off, and a, the flight attendant walked past him and said, um, Sir, you need to put on your seatbelt right away. Instantly, Ali said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. The flight attendant looked at him and said, Superman don't need no plane. 
see, regardless of the front that I put on, regardless of the self-confidence that I put out in front of me, I need Jesus. Because I can walk with all the confidence of Ali. I can portray strength. I can look like I have a good life. I can be a good person. But in the end, I'm not Superman. I need an airplane. You're not winning the fight for your life without Jesus. So we all have a choice to make. You choose Jesus or you choose to do it on your own. And you might say, well, I don't like my options. I didn't come up with the choices. Choosing to do it on your own, that's choosing defeat. That's choosing to lose. It's eternity apart from God. I know that it's said that God sends people to hell. He doesn't do that. It's a choice. And he literally said, over my dead body, will I let you go. You have to choose and then literally step over Jesus and choose to go that way. Choosing Jesus is choosing victory. It's choosing to win. It's receiving forgiveness for everything that I have ever done that was wrong. It's being right where you really want to be, which is with Jesus. It's defeating death and having the hope of life forever with him. But everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. I want you just to close your eyes for a moment. If you're, if you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, you know, I, I used to know Jesus. I said to him, yeah, I said yes to him once. And then... Uh, I just chose to say no, and I walked away. Today's your day. It doesn't matter how far you walked or how far you ran away. He's always one step right there. It's only, it's only one step back into the arms of Jesus. It's just one step. And I don't know all of your stories, but maybe you're here. You're like, I have never heard anything like this. In my life. I just came for the candy. That's okay. Come for candy and you have an opportunity to hear about Jesus. And so whatever your situation. If this morning you want to say yes to Jesus. You want to surrender your life to him and begin to live for him. Because no, no one's looking around. Because it's not about other people in the room. This, In a room, you know, with a crowd of people in it, Jesus makes this moment just about you. It's all about you. And so if you're here and you're like, yeah, I want to say yes to Jesus, just, just slip your hand up so that I know I'm going to pray. Yeah, I see that hand. Yeah. Yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
I want us, if we could, if we could all pray together. There's nothing, um, there's no like mystical prayer that's going to make this happen. You, you, you said yes to Jesus, you already won. That was it, right? That's, that's the surrender. Prayer is what, what we want to do. We want to pray with you. This is the, that calling out part. Those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we'll, we'll pray this all together. I'll go nice and slow. So all together, say this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. I surrender my life to you. Forgive me for all my imperfections, for everything I've done wrong. I receive your forgiveness and I step into your life. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we just give some applause to the people that just said yes to Jesus? Welcome home. Welcome home. And that home is not... Listen, it's not, I don't mean welcome home to this physical location. Welcome home to the family of God, right? We would love for you to, to come back. That would be great, right? But if you're from out of town and you're like, man, there's a church just, just real close to me, that's awesome. As long as you plug in and you make, make that church your home. So we're going to, I want to tell you a couple things. And then I want to have an opportunity to have you respond um, for prayer. We're all done. Next week, we're going to continue talking about the fight. We're going to talk about a fight that no one likes to talk about, but everyone has to face. Then after the service, as, as uh, Renee already mentioned, we're going to have a lunch for everyone who's new. So if you're new in the past six months, new today, or if you're like, man, I want to bring a friend next week, new for them too. That's okay. But if you could, that card that, that Renee had, if you haven't already kind of put that into the offering, if you could grab one of those, those connection cards and just write, just fill out the information, um, and then you can just either leave it on your seat or you can just bring it, bring it to one of us. Uh, we'll take that. It just helps us, you know, to, to buy food. Because, you know, if you're going to come for lunch, we should probably have enough food. And then, all right, and now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, do everyone here a favor. In three weeks, it's Mother's Day. That's your friendly reminder, okay? You, you have no excuse now to be like, I forgot to buy my mom a card. In three weeks, it's Mother's Day. So buy your mom a card and, and a gift. Or if she's local, come to church with us because we are going to have handcrafted espresso drinks for all the moms and seize candy for all the moms, okay? So if you come, we'll look after kind of that gift part of the whole thing for your mom. But now you've got no excuse. In three weeks, it's Mother's Day. So this is, this is what we're going to do. If you need prayer for anything, you're like, I, I need a miracle, I need physical healing, whatever, whatever it is, there's nothing too big or too small that Jesus doesn't care about. Then I'm going to, we're going to, I've got some people that are ready to pray. I'm going to ask you to come forward. We'll spend some time in prayer. And if you, if you said yes to Jesus today, please come forward. We want to have a moment where we want to talk to you. We want to pray with you in person. Okay? And so let's all stand. 
And so if you would like, we're all done. So if you'd like prayer, I'm going to ask you to come. Or if you said yes to Jesus, please come. Um, for everyone else, thank you so much for coming today. Do not forget to go out these doors and get pictures with the, I'll call them giant because it just sounds funny. The giant bunnies are out there and family photos. Go get pictures with them. Um, and your kids will also be out that, out that door. We've given them more candy. You are so welcome. Happy Easter.